Hey ghoul friends, it's me, Adrian, or Aiden. Either way, I am still your host and you are still listening to Susto, the podcast of ooky, spooky, scary stories. Welcome back, and if this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Listen, I'm going to tell you all right off the bat, I have gone through it since the last time I sat down to record, which was uh, probably like two, maybe a little bit over two weeks ago. Since then, just to give you a little personal life update, for those of you who care... And if you don't, I'm sorry, either skip ahead a couple seconds or you know what, like just, you know, uh, how are you doing? First of all, you tell me how you're doing. Great. Okay, now I'll tell you. So again, since the last time I sat down to record, I had all four of my wisdom teeth removed and it was something that I had been wanting to do for a long time, but I was very nervous to do because of the surgery and having to be put under, which I had to because one of my teeth was like really impacted, which... I'll spare you all the details, but I had it done and I'm very, uh, number one, grateful that I was able to do so. And number two, I'm happy it's over with. I still have, you know, some soreness because I did have, again, all four at the same time removed. Anyway, on top of that, I am very excited to announce if you are following Susto on the socials, not only do you get to see teeth, but you get to see updates about the show. And that is at Susto Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You will see that Susto is going to be attending the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast festival in austin texas and that's going to be on august 25th through the 27th so we have plenty of time for everybody to get their tickets you can go to truecrimepodcastfestival.com and at the very top you're going to see buy tickets to get your tickets at the time that i'm recording this which is tuesday So two days before this comes out, because I am a procrastinator, they are still doing early bird prices on the website. So hopefully those early bird prices will still be there by the time that the episode comes out. And if they are, please go and get your tickets. It's going to be so fun. Just to tell you a bit about the podcast festival from their website, this says the purpose of the true crime and paranormal festival is to give you the listeners the opportunity to meet and interact with your favorite podcasters and content creators. Who knows, you may even find some new favorites. The festival features live recordings of podcast episodes, including many crossover collaborations you won't hear anywhere else. You can also enjoy a lively panel discussion where podcasters pull back the curtain for a unique view into the creation of a show. Past topics have included how podcasters select their cases, the ethics of amateur investigations, and the importance of diversity and inclusivity. We are also excited to add paranormal cases to our panel and roundtable selections. But the main draw of the festival is the podcast gallery. Imagine a hall of tables representing the best in the true crime and paranormal podcast genre. The podcasters get out from behind the microphones and from behind their tables to mix and mingle with podcast listeners. Conversations, selfies, and memories all happen on the floor of our podcast gallery. I'm so excited to be attending this. So excited to meet other podcasters. Go to truecrimepodcastfestival.com to get your tickets while they are still in early bird prices and make your reservations, make your arrangements, whatever you got to do so that we can hang out at the festival. I'm so excited. So aside from that, same as always, keep your eyes on the social media. I'm going to be doing very soon a a spin the wheel for the next movie night. Probably this weekend we'll be spinning the wheel so that we can do the last weekend of the month, uh, another movie night. So again, that is a Patreon exclusive. And I believe that is all as far as updates. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode, which is about the Nawali.
The small town of San Juan was plagued by strange occurrences for as long as anyone could remember. People would disappear without a trace, and those who returned spoke of terrifying encounters with strange, otherworldly beings. But no one knew the true source of the terror until a young anthropologist named Guillermo arrived to study the local folklore. Guillermo quickly discovered that the legends of the town all revolved around a mysterious figure known as the Nahuali. According to the locals, the Nahuali was a powerful sorcerer who could shapeshift into any animal or Nahual he desired, but his favorite form was that of a giant jaguar. He was said to be the leader of a pack of Nahuals who worshipped ancient gods and practiced dark rituals deep in the forest. Determined to uncover the truth behind the legends, Guillermo ventured into the forest with a group of local guides. But, as soon as they entered the woods, strange things began to happen. The guides became increasingly uneasy, and Guillermo could sense a dark presence lurking, just out of sight. They started to see shadows moving in the darkness. They could hear whispers and murmurs coming from the forest but they couldn't tell if it was real or a trick of their adrenaline-soaked minds. Just as they were about to turn back, they heard a strange noise in the distance. It was a low growl, like that of a wild animal, but somehow more sinister. The guides urged Guillermo to leave, but he was determined to see this through. He could feel the Nawal's presence getting closer. It was like a cold breeze on his skin, a chill running down his spine. As they followed the growling noise, it became louder and louder until it was right behind them. Suddenly, a huge jaguar leapt out of the bushes and lunged at Guillermo. Just as its sharp claws were about to sink into his flesh, the jaguar suddenly transformed into a human figure, laughing maniacally. It was the Nawali. He stood there looking at them with a sinister smile his eyes glowing red in the darkness, his body covered in glistening blood. Guillermo could see the remains of his last sacrifice hanging from the branches behind him. Guillermo was frozen with terror as the Nawali laughed and revealed that he had been manipulating the town's inhabitants for centuries using magic. He had taken the form of the jaguar to lead him deeper into the forest, where his pack was waiting to sacrifice him in a blood ritual. He told Guillermo that he had been watching him since he arrived in the town. He knew he would come looking for him. He had been waiting for him. Guillermo and some of the guides managed to escape, but he knew the Nawali would never stop hunting them. They returned to the town, unable to shake the feeling that the Nawal was always watching, waiting for the right moment to strike. Guillermo had nightmares every night. He could hear the growling of the jaguar, the laughter of the Nawal, he could feel his breath on his neck. Guillermo nor the guides never spoke of what happened in the forest, but the townspeople could see it in their fear-stained faces. They knew something terrible had happened. From that day on, Guillermo dedicated his life to studying the Nawal and the ancient gods. The legend of the Nawali lives on, a reminder of the dark forces that still lurk in the shadows waiting to claim their next sacrifice.
I don't remember who or when, but I do want to say someone made a request of some sort to do stories about werewolves or lichens or what have you. I started looking into the the idea or the concept of werewolves or lycanthropes from Central South America and even parts of North America. And there is such a rich history of werewolves and lycanthropes or what have you. So really quick, I'm gonna, I want to read the differences between what a werewolf is and what a lycanthrope is. So this is literally from a website called differencebetween.net. And again, you can find all the links, the direct links in the Susto Google Docs on Patreon. And this one says, in a werewolf, the transformation to wolf takes place on a full moon day or night, and they cannot restrict the transformation. In a lichen, the transformation to wolf can take place at any time and in any place. Persons are transformed into werewolves and lichens when another werewolf or lichen bites them. Unlike the werewolf, lichens are said to be smarter. When compared to a werewolf, a lichen is a bit more muscular. While the lichen is said to be religious, a werewolf represents witchcraft. Lichens are more difficult to kill than werewolves. To kill a lichen, one should have to sever the spine from its body. They cannot be killed using silver. On the other hand, a werewolf can be killed with silver objects piercing them into the head or the heart. So one of the first links that I went through was from a website called historicmysteries.com. And this is their entry, Werewolf Legends from Around the World. And there are so many different ones. I'm going to read the one that I used first for this story. This is the one from Mexico. It says, werewolves in Mexico are known as the Nahual. And there's two different spellings for this. There's one with an H and one with a G. Even though Mexico was a Spanish colony for 300 years, the Nahual myth did not commingle with the European legend of the werewolf. The tale remains in its origin form to this day. I do want to make it clear that Nahuals are not just what they call werewolves in Mexico. It is a different creature, but again, that idea of a person, a human transforming into a creature is there. I guess the same could be said for how we've talked about lechuzas and people think that the lechuzas are their witches and, and they're people that transform into owls. So are they a form of Nawals or Nawalis. But from what I saw in a lot of this research, they kept referring to Nawalis and Nawals as men. And so just to kind of clarify also, Nawali is the person. It's the person that has the ability to transform. Like if I was able to do this, I would be a Nawali. The Nawal is the animal. That's that's what they're called in their animal form. So just that difference there. And I guess you could use them interchangeably. That's kind of like a technicality because they're so similar, but there is that difference between those two words. So this entry continues, the belief in Mexican werewolfism or Nahualism varies from region to region. Some Mesoamerican Indians believe that the Nahual is a guardian spirit that resides in an animal, such as deer, jaguar, eagle, bobcat, mountain lion, and so on. In other regions, and a more ominous version of Nahualism, it is believed that powerful men can transform themselves into an animal to cause harm. A relationship exists between the latter belief and the word Nahual, which originated from the word Nahuali, meaning disguise. The name pertains to the sorcery by which magicians change their physical forms into that of an animal. To read off like the beginning of this whole page, it says... 
where did werewolf legends originate? And this says, thanks to Vlad Tepes III, the Dracula myth has a source point, though far from validated. But no one can say with certainty at what point in history the mythological history of the werewolf originated. The origin of the werewolf's legend can only be guessed by what recorded history remains. Their other name, Lycanthrope, may also point to the source of this myth. So, as far as international lycanthrope legends, throughout history there are records of the trials of confessed or accused werewolves. They were hunted, questioned, and executed in much the same way witches were, because witches were often accused of being lycanthropes. These so-called werewolf trials give us a historical glimpse at rampant human belief in werewolves. So, I guess you could say that there are cases of lechus as being qualified as nawals or nawalis because this says that lycanthropes were hunted and persecuted much the same way that witches were. Right here it says, often witches were often accused of being lycanthropes because of that transformational power. It says, villagers arrested some of the accused because they needed someone to blame for dead livestock or other explainable occurrences. Still, others were accused because of actions far more sinister and less likely to be contrived. So there is a whole list here of different parts of the world that have their own, I'm going to use the word version of this, even though, again, the Nawal is not just a different version of a werewolf, it just has lots of similar traits and qualities. But this is a really great uh, page. I, I won't read every single one. But just so you know, there are origins in Greece, as always, right? We always see Greece. There's ancient Rome, there is Norway and Iceland. There's also South America, which they call them their Lobison. It sounds like the word Lobo, right? This one I will read. It says the Luison, also written as El Lobison, or is the South American werewolf. The myth of the Luison mainly prevails in Argentina. Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, and Uruguay. It stems from the Portuguese belief that the seventh son of a family of all boys would turn into a Luison on the night of a full moon, especially if it fell on a Friday. The myth is especially prevalent in Argentina. Even the Argentine president, Juan Domingo Perón, strongly believes in this myth. And there is a link to that, actually, that says, uh, it's from the Independent, it says, President of Argentina adopts Jewish godson to stop him turning into a werewolf. This is a whole different story on its own. So this continues, the origin of the Luison legend is in Guarani mythology. The Guarani are the indigenous people of Paraguay, whose mythology stated there were seven monsters. Of the seven monsters, the last one, known as a Luison, had a horrendous appearance, but had no apparent resemblance with the wolf and became known as the god of death. When Europeans colonized South America, Luison's association with death began to wane over time. The Luison myth eventually mixed with European werewolf legends. The Luison morphed into a half-man and half-wolf. I'm very interested to know what the Luisons or the Luisons story is before the the European colonization, because it says that it had a huge effect on it, and it's it, it came to be known just as half man, half wolf. So again, I'm very interested to see what that may have been. Continuing on the list of places in the world, there is also North America, there's French influence, Germany, Ireland, and the last one on here is Eastern Europe and Slavic countries. This trope, this idea, concept, what have you of this kind of creature, it is all over the world, and that's really cool. The next link, as always, 
we use Wikipedia, right? And this one says, this has an etymology, a really small etymology section, but it says, the word Nawal derives from the Nahuatl word Nawali, an indigenous religious practitioner identified by the Spanish as a magician. In English, the word is often translated as transforming witch, but translations without negative connotations include transforming trickster or shapeshifter. That's another thing I wanted to make clear with this story, is that there are a lot of negative connotations about this, but... I believe in this Wikipedia entry, it does say behaviors or attitudes that they're not all like evil or bad. It comes down to each individual one and they can either do good or they can do bad, right? Much like, you know, anyone that let's say practices brujeria, you can do whatever you want with it. It's up to each person. And then, so yeah, that becomes part of that conversation. But to read through this entry, it says, Nawals use their power for good or evil according to their personality. Like I just said, the general concept of Nahualism is pan-Mesoamerican. Nahualism is linked with pre-Columbian shamanistic practices through pre-classic Olmec and Toltec depictions that are interpreted as human beings transforming themselves into animals. The system is linked with the Mesoamerican calendrical system used for divination rituals. Birth dates often determine if a person can become a Nahual. Mesoamerican belief in tonalism, wherein every person has an animal counterpart to which their life force is linked, is drawn upon by Nahualism. The Nawal trait is acquired at birth, along with other characteristics associated with the person's birthday. Each day is associated with an animal that has strong and weak aspects. A person born on dog day would have both strong and weak dog aspects. In Nahuatl, the word tonali is used to refer both to a day and to the animal associated with that day. This continues more, but then I also wanted to read out this I thought was really interesting. In modern rural Mexico, Nahual is sometimes synonymous with brujo or wizard, one who is able to shapeshift into an animal at night, normally into a dog, owl, bat, wolf, or turkey. See, so owl is here on this list. Drink blood from human victims, steal property, cause disease, and the like. In some indigenous communities, the Nahual is integrated into the religious hierarchy. The community knows who is a Nahual, tolerating fearing and respecting them. Nawali are hired to remove curses cast by other Nawali. In other communities, the accusation of Nawalism may result in violent attacks on the accused by the community. So again, it's really interesting how just depending on where they're at, and I'm guessing how they behave, they can be either revered, but still feared, or people can just like want to get rid of them and kill them essentially. And the last part from this Wikipedia entry that I'm going to read says, Kaplan, which is one of the sources cited for this entry, says Kaplan concludes that in Oaxaca, the belief in Nawaz as evil, shape-shifting witches, is common in both indigenous and mestizo populations. According to Kaplan, the belief in animal spirit companions is exclusively indigenous. This is certain for some groups and communities, but for others, such as the Mishes, Chinantecos, Triquis, or Tacuates, those who can control their Nahual or alter ego are protectors of the people, natural resources, and culture of the community, highly revered, but also feared, once again. This next link is where I got that distinction of the difference between Nawali and Nawal, and this is from Wikifandom, and this one is Headhunters Horror House. Dot fandom.com and this is their entry about Nawali and it right off the bat starts off with Nawali is sometimes also called a Nawal. 
However, the Nawal is the spirit animal while Nawali is the shapeshifter. A Nawal is a creature of supernatural lore that originated in Mesoamerica. They are a breed of shapeshifters that can transform either their spiritual essence or their corporeal forms into the body of an animal. In some cases, an animal-human hybrid, which makes them a type of were-creature. The most common Nawal assume the form of felines, such as panthers and jaguars, but many also take the form of birds or other animals. The form and actions of a Nawal is reflective of the being's innate personality. And apparently, Nawali appeared in the MTV television series Teen Wolf, which I remember I started to watch that show, and I'm not sure why I never continued it or completed it, but I'm interested to watch whatever maybe episode or storyline that they appeared in. So if you have seen Teen Wolf and you remember this, the Nawali appearing in it, let me know. I would love to know more about that. It's very interesting. And the final link that I have for you all is the Werewolf of the Mexican South. And this is from discovery.com. And this is a very interesting entry. This is actually a real life what's the word, I guess, story, a story about real people uh, experiencing what they're identifying as a Nawal or a werewolf. I'm going to read part of it. And again, the whole thing will be in the Susto Google Docs. But this says, Ocosocuatla de Espinosa is a small town that hugs one of the least visited natural reserves in Mexico's southernmost state of Chiapas. And it may have a werewolf problem. In the early mornings, the tenement houses that spike their hillside are covered in fog. And by evening, the smoke from burning pastures chokes the town's bustling central plaza and hovers over its adjacent cathedral. Until recently, the only reason anyone from the nearby state capital, Tuxtla Gutierrez, would ever visit Ocosocuatla was to witness the colorful festivities of its indigenous Zoque people. Now, the town is famous for a much less celebrated presence, a werewolf. Exactly one year ago, when the pandemic shut down, oh, by the way, this is pretty recent. This this page is from 2021, and it's referencing the pandemic. So just to give you an idea of how recent this was. Exactly one year ago, which should be 2019, when the pandemic shut down Ocosocoatla, news of the twin threat began to circulate on social media, and locals began posting videos of the ensuing pandemonium, recordings of a blood-curdling howl, makeshift vigilantes armed with sticks and knives patrolling the streets, and impromptu interviews with neighbors who might have seen or heard something strange saturated Facebook and Twitter. A professor at Chiapas campus of the Tecnológico de Monterrey University picked up on the story and sent out the tweet that would be seen around the country. So I'm going to skip over here. This is where Saul's talking about, I guess, his experience with this. I asked my driver if he'd heard anything about the werewolf. He told me that last he heard, the creature had attacked a local farmer's goats in another neighborhood. It isn't a werewolf, by the way, he says. It's a Nawal. I ask Saul and he explains that it's a type of sorcerer, but it's better that we find a Zoke elder who can expound properly on the subject. He promises to take me to one the next morning, and I head to the outskirts of town to meet Samuel Revueltas, a journalist for the popular news organization Chiapas Paralelo. I'm going to skip over some more, and this says... After a restless night, I head to meet Jorge de la Cruz, a local Zoque authority. His home is filled with friends and family, a group of musicians playing Zoque rhythms with hypnotic drums, and a man spreading the wafting smoke of copal incense around statues of religious figures. We have synthesized Catholic traditions with Zoque traditions, he tells me, as we drink hot chocolate and eat sweet tamales. We believe in the Virgin Mary and Christ, but we also hold our mythologies dear. The Nawal is a black sorcerer, a person who transforms into an animal to haunt a community that has some kind of ill. For us, this is as real as the chocolate you are drinking now. It is not an imaginary event. 
It is very much a real thing, Dulce Bonifaz tells me as I drive back into town with a psychologist on speaker. This is a clear case of mass hysteria, she adds. According to Dulce, several factors combined to build a perfect storm. A community with a deep tradition where the Nawal is a central figure, the trauma brought on by the onset of the pandemic, the sudden shift in routines and the new sounds people were hearing by being locked at home all played a part. The fact that social media helped amplify people's fears and that the authorities let the situation fester for four days added to the effect, according to Dulce. What were those howls locals recorded on their phones and shared on social media? If the creature wasn't real, then why were locals so unwilling to talk? Whatever actually occurred at the onset of the pandemic in this once sleepy town may remain a mystery to outsiders forever, but one thing is for sure, it's not a mystery to the people who lived through it. I always loved watching the Underworld movies because, I mean, those are obviously mainly about the vampires, but then we have that Lycan storyline that was so exciting and it felt so much more fresh to me because I feel like we don't have a ton of edgy, spooky, modern werewolf or Lycan media. And so, I mean, unless I'm just not, I wasn't looking in the right places. If you all have some of your own favorite werewolf or Lycan media, uh, send it over my way, comment on the post for this episode and let me know which ones you're into because I would love to see more. I know that there was a ton of, you know, vintage ones, movies from the 60s, 70s even. Again, I'm talking more like modern, which nothing against those. That's just, I just want to know like how the genre has progressed, right? Thank you so much for listening. And just one last roundup, make sure to check out the True Crime Podcast Festival website. Uh, Get your tickets so that you can come to Austin and we can hang out. Not only us, but you can see tons of other amazing podcasters and shows, content creators, what have you. It's going to be really exciting. I know that I am so super excited about it. Keep an eye on social medias for any and all updates on the show, especially about the movie night that's going to be coming up. That's at Susto Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you have your own scary stories that you would like me to share on the show or anything you want me to share on the socials, you can do so by sending an email to sustopodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me a DM on any of the socials, or you can leave it in a five-star review if you're able to do that wherever you're listening. If you haven't yet, leave a rating or review wherever you're listening. It's super helpful, and I would greatly appreciate it. And one last thing, you can find all the links and the movie night information on patreon.com slash sustopodcast. Huge shout out to the Susto patrons. Thank you again for all of your support. You all are Liza, Sadie, Rachel, Alejandra, Luther, April, Mario, Eva, Dee, Victoria, Josette, Sam, Angela, and Co., Mandy, Julianne, Karen, Laurie, Jeannie, Monica, Desiree, Anna, Brenda, Jenny, Ashes, Neresa, Amanda, Rachel, William, Asukena, and Javier. Thank you all so, so much for your support means the underworld to me, fills the deep abyss that is my cold, empty heart. I will talk to you all in the next one, and have your animals spayed and neutered. Bye!